The work of this church in the world is realized through the generous financial support of all who call this place home. Along with the gifts and time and talent, ours is a shared ministry. You have a role to play here. Church membership is open to all. For more information, go to uusf.org. Last week, 80 of us traipsed up to Occidental to repeat the decades-old tradition of the Unitarian Universalists of San Francisco's retreat. It had been a couple of years, a couple of cancellations since we'd been there, and <clears throat> I have to say when we arrived, it seemed like we all were a bit creaky. It reminded me of the Tin Man in Dorothy's <clears throat> Wizard of Oz before the oil can shows up. You could see us trying to remember, like in our muscle memory, motor memory, what it looked like and felt like to be together, to retreat together. While you were worshiping here in a powerful service led by Millie Phillips, we worshiped on Sunday in the Redwood Chapel. For those of you who don't know it, the Redwood Chapel at the retreat center we go to is this place where pews are laid really like benches down a scaled hill, the slope of it. And at the bottom is, as an altar, a redwood flooring thrown over the dirt ground, constructed over the dirt ground. And behind, surrounding, almost everywhere, but particularly right behind the altar, are simply this gorgeous, soaring family of redwoods, some pushing right up against the balustrade that's erected in the back to prevent worship leaders from falling down the hill behind. <clears throat> I read in the service from Barbara Brown Taylor's book, An Altar in the World, a series of essays that's extraordinary. And I read from the part in which she wonders about the places where we gather in churches. She understands and affirms the urge to gather, to remind ourselves of our best selves, the routine, comforting, and gorgeous of it all. But she writes, I worry what happens when we build a house for God. Do we build God a house so that we can choose when to see God? Do we build God a house in lieu of having God stay at ours? You may need to translate her theological language depending on your own. But don't let the need for translating free you from the content and challenge of the question. Her wondering about the benefits, but also the risks of building a house for the holy, a place where our religious lives are assumed to happen. It's a powerful question. What happens to the rest of the world, she writes, when we build four walls, even four gorgeous walls, cap them with a steepled roof and designate this the house of God, she asks. Who doesn't make it into these places? The natural world, the animals, the redwood trees, except <laughs> when they're cut down. Which people don't make it in? What about ourselves do we risk forgetting? 
It's graduation time this time of year, I'm sure you know. Thomas Brown, who retired as one of our sextons here this past December, but who was back this week subbing while Leland was on vacation, Thomas celebrated the graduation of Brenasia, his granddaughter, who also works and helps us as one of our child care providers every Sunday. Her graduation from San Francisco State, so if and when you see her, congratulate her. Another grandson here in San Francisco graduated from high school. His daughter got a degree in real estate from City College, and he told me another granddaughter in Texas got her degree from college this last week. Everyone breaking through that ribbon at the end of a race those gorgeous moments of victory that no one can take away from us, happening all around us. And this last week, my daughter graduated from high school. She gave a graduation speech with words that threw a frame around our own life here that makes me want to share them, and which I do with her permission. Speaking of junior year, 2020 to 21, as she reflected back with her classmates on what this journey has been like for them, she said, junior year, the year of failure in a broader sense, failure to feel like the same school. You know that philosophical question, would you still be you without an arm? without a body? What if you were just a brain immersed in a jar of some undefined liquid, but you could still think? Would you still be you? That's basically the question we asked, but about our school this time. Is a school still a school without a building? Is UHS, her high school, still UHS without heated discussion in the hallways? Or running up from the South Campus, or the NCS championship, or live musicals. And us? We were faced with the same struggle, weren't we? Failure to feel for a while like the same church in the last two years, forced to ask consciously or unconsciously, are we still a church without a building? Are we still a church if we cannot be in person to mourn a loss or to celebrate a birth? Are we still UUSF if we don't have the annual retreat, the full moon circle, if we don't light the chalice together without Christmas Eve carols spilling out as we head out into the street with candlelight and laughter? When life gets stripped, of all its trappings and all the ways that it will, that it always has, and that it did for us. We human beings were always forced to dig into this age-old question of who are we, really? Who are we beneath the layers of who we thought we were before all the losses and the stripping back began? Lose your job and you have to ask, is there a Vanessa, a Bob, a Prita that's more than just our paid work? Lose an ability and we have to ask whether we are more than one set of capabilities of our bodies or our minds. 
in the hundreds of possible strippings away in life, it will be made obvious in retrospect how easily you and I can and do again and again lose sight of who we are at our core until we are forced in these moments of release to let go of the easy, the convenient, the superficial, the obvious, and the inaccurate notion of who we really are. And what we did at church was find something in the stripping away. We found what Lila thinks she and her classmates found. In her speech, she said, in the end, we decided UHS was still a version of UHS, but only because of the people, because of what fiercely held us together. So too for us, in Zoom, in FaceTime, in Livestream, in masks, outdoors, however we could, we worked to connect and even just remember we were connected when it sometimes was only a gossamer thread that no one else could see but us across distance and unearthly quiet. We learned to touch that and to trust it. And it was reliable, that web. I don't want to get too Hebrew scriptures on you all this morning, but it's a bit like other communities who have carried their faith into desert places and proved what we are together isn't just what happens in a building. That it's held inside and it's held among us. An incredibly good lesson to remember periodically. Church is us. There is power in that. The power of the Redwood Chapel without its walls. The power of pandemic wisdom. And then at the end of her reflections, Lila pointed out how senior year was often about feeling lucky and unlucky. This last year would be our senior year in her story, how they were grateful for being back together and worried about things abruptly coming to an end again. And those of us who lived through the shutdown of Christmas Eve, 36 hours before it was supposed to happen, certainly know that roller coaster ride. And she said, that was the year of reviving traditions and extending grace and remembering some of the facets of being back together that we had forgotten. Which takes me back to the retreat last week. All of our creaky joints getting oiled up over two days by a few hikes, some that seemed like an outward bound team training expedition by a dizzying array of jigsaw puzzles, by some trash talk over code names, by a lot of shared meals and the healing warmth of campfire and stargazing and singing and the beaver and the happy dances. Senior year, 
the year of reviving traditions and extending grace and remembering what being together felt like. Thank you all for a hard, happy, nervous, stumbling, grace-giving, remembering, forgetting senior year at church. Thank you for all you have weathered, trusting in the gossamer threads, holding your part of them tight to keep the web strong, and something that held us through desert times and reminded us of a deep truth that the stripping away of the last two years has brought into focus. Namely, who are we? Well, we're a church, a church that sometimes has a steeple, sometimes has doors, but whenever we're really open to see what's inside and what holds it all together, the answer is always the same. It's the people. So blessings to this church. Blessings to these gorgeous, strong, wise, enduring, joyful, and grace-filled, stumbling, trusting, determined, loving people who are church. <laughs>